Who's intro? Chris. Me. Chris. Nice. Prepare for crisp phone voice. Prepare for a very sharp hello. Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, episode 221. Oh, that was nice today, Chris. I'm Chris, and joining me today are... Ames. Caitlin. And... Jake. And we're here on National Chocolate Chip Day... Yes! ...to bring you Image in the Sand... And shadows and symbols. We should figure out what national day it is every time we do one of these. <laughs> Wait, and now people will know when we recorded. Oh Fuck. no! no they can be bothered to dox us. What? They can be bothered to Google when it was. They're going to triangulate our location by the dates, time, by well, the number the of thing. chocolate if, chips. If, the, if our episode is really, really bad, then we will know that time travel doesn't exist because. Somebody will have come back to stop us, knowing when we recorded this. Got bad news. I think in the future, people still aren't listening to this podcast. So while I like your idea, (laughs) I don't think. Anyway, so this week is a two-parter with Sneaky. three sort of concurrent stories that they pretend dovetail, but really don't. Oh. So what I'm going to do is describe each plot rather than like bounce around like the episodes did. Plot the first. All that bullshit from last season with Quark and Julian suddenly being really into Jadzia again pays off annoyingly here. No, it doesn't. It- <laughs> Well, well, it at least comes to a head. Yeah, or... it's, it's stupid. It's still stupid. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so in plot the first. Yes. Worf is in a poopy mood. Rather than send him to a therapist, because let's be honest, he wouldn't go anyway. They send the chief to get him shit faced. And it eventually comes out that he's sad because Jadzia isn't in Stovokor because she didn't die in glorious battle. So... They tell Martok, who's like, hey, Worf, let's go have glorious battle. And Worf's like, all right. But then Julian and Quark are like, we want to go too and help because we're into her, I guess. And O'Brien is like, I want to come too to keep an eye on my boyfriend and make sure he doesn't get killed. And, you know, Worf gets annoyed that they're there tagging along because like, you know, yeah, kind of weird. Like, dude, my wife, fuck off. Uh, My wife. Then they <laughs> glorious battle, quote unquote, is sneaking up to a sun cloaked, decloaking, shooting at the sun to try to make its solar flare into a shipyard. It doesn't work the first time. So, so pulling some a actu- bev. Yeah. Yeah. So some actual battle happens and then the chief makes the thing work and the shipyard is destroyed by a solar flare. Done. Plot the second. Now Colonel Kira is still running DS9 and the Romulans are setting up a little embassy. And at first she's like, I don't know, mm, Romulans. But then her and the Romulan Senator Kretak kind of get on in a weird way. And Kretak's all like, oh, uh, can we uh, set up a uh, hospital on your uh, abandoned fourth moon? And Kira's all like, yeah, sure, why not? Is that like a Chris Walken impression? I was trying to make fun of her strange voice, and I failed miserably. This is really rude, is all. <laughs> Let's talk about her face. 
Jake? <laughs> Jake, any comments? Actually, one of her eyebrows is weird, and I don't know if it's because they like drew it badly. Or she, like, had a that's chunk dig not her, her eyebrow. But anyway, so everything's fine at the hospital until it turns out, oh, God, they've got a shitload of weapons on it, which is like, what the fuck? And uh, the, the Bajorans are like, we don't want that there. Stop it. And the Rhymes are all like, screw you. And there's eventually a big old, big old standoff in space. The Bajoran militia sends up a bunch of buses with phasers and the Romulans had a bunch of warbirds and there's a standoff and it's tense. But then, and this is sort of connected to plot the third, the wormhole opens and this makes Admiral Ross go, what the hell? Romulans stop being dicks and the Romulans go, okay, and leave. Yeah, that was plot, weird. Yeah. Plot the third. It's been three months, by the way, for all of these. Uh, Cisco's still in a poopy mood. He's been playing piano and scrubbing oysters and whatever else. And he's all still trying to clear his head from the end of last season. Then his baseball falls and he's like, whoopsie. And then he has a vision of digging in sand on the planet Tyree. And he sees a face and he's all like, who is this woman? And it turns out this woman is dun dun dun, his retcon mother. What? Whoa, yep, it turns out before his mother... Uh, fucking Admiral Father. Brock Peters. Uh, Brock Peters. What's his name? Joe. Joe. <laughs> jo Joe had had another wife. Uh, she showed up. They were deeply in love. They had wee babby Ben. And then one day she just fucking up and vanished. And Joe spent time looking for her. And then he found out where she was. But she died in a hovercraft accident before he could be like, what the F? And he also never told Cisco because reasons. So Cisco's like, well, holy crap. Uh, this is all nuts. I gotta go to Tyree and, and stuff. Dig up some shit. Yeah, oh yeah, because it turns, you know, eventually Joe's like, oh, here's a necklace that your mother left behind. And oh, look, there's ancient Bajoran on the back. And it translates to the orb of the emissary. Because of course it does. <laughs> yeah, go on. So Cisco's like, I'm gonna go to Tyree. But before he can, he gets stabbed by a guy who is not Aaron Eisenberg playing a Bajoran like we thought. Yeah, I definitely thought it was Aaron Eisenberg. But, you know, it's the future. So a gut stab, you know, especially when you're found as quickly as, as Ben is, really doesn't matter. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. There's like a Cult of the Paw rates building up that I was think, mentioned briefly in Plot I the think Second. they pay off later in the season or something. Probably. Yeah, like, oh, I'm sure they'll boy. be back, but I just forgot to mention them. So anyway, so Ben's better. He's going to go to Tyree. Jake and Joe are like, we're coming too. And Road trip. They're like, oh, okay. And then right before they can leave, uh, Manny, Manic Pixie Dream Dax shows up. <laughs> nice. Because yes, this is Esri Dax, uh, who is a little freaked out by the whole experience because she was never meant to be joined. She never went through the training. She never intended to be, but the Dax symbiote was on its way back to Trill. Something was starting to go wrong. She was the only Trill on board. And they were like, guess what? Shove. Oh, so right in the she, pouch. Yep. So she's, you know, kind of blue. Um, and they go to Tyree and they walk around a lot. And Ben has uh, uh, what turns out to be false vision of Benny Russell and uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Wyckoff, <laughs> as played by Dr. Damar. And he opens the thing eventually, and the orb of the emissary is there, and it's not all turned off like the other ones. And it sends a beam of light, and the wormhole opens, and the power wraith is vomited out. And the Blech. prophet Sarah shows up and is like, we basically mind control this woman so she'd be your mother. Ben goes, gross. 
And uh, that's the end of plot the third. And then plot the epilogue. Ben's back. The Bajorans are thrilled. Everyone's like, who's the pixie? And she's all like, hi, guys, it's Dax. And Worf storms off. I'm sure this is never going to come up again. Well, she told them they needed to talk. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Quark is all, holy shit, she's short. Maybe I have a chance now. Uh, The end. No, the end line. The end line, I was so angry. Oh, yes. The end line is just when you thought things couldn't get more interesting. And I'm like, God damn it, writers. Yeah, that was a bit on the nose. Yeah, they're like saying, oh, it's season seven. But don't worry, just because we got rid of Jedzia doesn't mean we can't make the seventh season okay. Just watch. Like, I feel like if anyone could have had a fun, quippy line about how fucked up this was going to be, it could have been Odo. But that's not the line. Yeah, they threw him a softball. You know, Chris, you missed a really important piece in your synopsis. Is it the trajectory of the ball? There was finally an appropriate response to a Vic Fontaine song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, literally, Uh, literally during the credits I saw as Vic Fontaine and I went, son of a bitch, no! I don't understand why he was then like cleaning up. It's like, can't you just tell the holodeck Just hit the reset button, bitch. Yeah. I said many times, like, this is a holodeck. Why are you complaining about this? Oh, my band is gonna quit. Yeah, it's like, no, reprogram the band. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, Vic seems to, like, live in his own little space, but everybody else seems to follow the normal rules. Yeah. P.S., Anyone who bitches today, now, in the current present that we live in, who bitches about Tilly and doesn't have the same fucking things to say about (laughs) Esri Dax, I want them all to go fuck themselves because this bitch is three times as annoying as Tilly. And yeah, I know she's all fucking thin and petite and shit. And I know everyone likes to rag on Tilly because she like gained a little weight between seasons. But goddamn, Esri is so annoying. So annoying. Do you, like, want, yeah. do you want some background? On what? On the Esri character. On what makes characters annoying? Yeah. Because I could tell you all about it. She never shuts up. She talks too fast. She fucking, her eyes are on the sides of her head. She doesn't even look like a goddamn <laughs> apex pro, fucking uh, predator. My explanation for that is she's Canadian, so of course she's not an apex predator. Yeah, there you go. But yes, what's the background, Ames? Go ahead, Ames. The background is, so they knew they wanted to do something with the new Dax symbiont. They knew they wanted it to be a woman, because otherwise, Nana is the only woman on set, and that's fucked up. They have to mm. pretend that they think that's a bad idea. I mean, a little bit. So they're looking, they're, they're, they're doing the casting thing for the Esri character, and at this point, the character is still fairly vague, and they're just not finding anybody who has that level of mystery about them that they could house the personalities of, like, eight or twelve people in them. And they decide, okay, how about we fix this by making the character a little neurotic because she wasn't supposed to be a host. She was supposed to just be a normal trill person who doesn't get, who isn't an, an initiate. And what does that mean if you're not able to handle all the personalities just to give the actor something to do? And they found, um... Nicole, I didn't end up looking up how to pronounce her name. I want to say DeBoer, but I'm not sure if that's right. Could be DeBear? Yeah, I don't know. There's already Ira Stephen Bear, so I don't think they'd have two people with last names that sound <laughs> the same on the show. True. So. Here's uh, the other thing, though, too, though, about Esri is if she never meant, didn't ever want to be whatever. Joined. United. Joined. This brings up like a whole lot of weird consent questions. Well, I mean, I presumably she's shoving she... symbionts in people's 
symbiont holes if but they I mean, don't want it. I, they, I mean, she she said she'd do it. It just hadn't been the plan of her life. Yeah, but if you... Here's the thing, though. This is one of those things about... And I know, like, I'm not talking about consent in a sexual way. That's not what I'm getting at. Um, in spite of the way I just worded that thing last, like, a second ago. But, like, it's still a thing where if you're being pushed to do something or if, like... Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. did she feel like she could have said no? Because yeah, that's otherwise, what I mean. Like, the Dax symbiont of, like, eight lifetimes would die. Yeah, yeah. so well, that's... And that's thing, definitely... Though. I'm just saying that that's definitely duress, and you really can't give consent under duress. But, so, but here's the other in thing. my opinion. We know that a Trill symbiont can live in a human... And we know for that a it can be short time, for a very short time. Yeah, but the whole thing was they were en route to Trill, so they couldn't have just stuck it in, you know, somebody Riker? for a, a short time just to get get it there, just to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just like if it's an actual it. trail that it goes into, yeah. maybe then it, you know, that's where it joins. Hot and you potato, the sick, this thing. Yeah, pass along through the various. I was going to ask that. Sorry. There's say yeah, just pass along through a couple different crew members. Traumatize the fuck out of it. Keep uh, transporting it into other people's bodies. Yeah. Um, my question is, because I honestly, I'm sure we've, I'm sure we were told this at one point. I just don't remember it. Once they're in a trill, if you remove them, is that death for the trill? Generally? We've seen. Like, is there no going back? It's death so, for the host. Yeah. So that's we've, what I meant. We've seen Varad, that yeah. guy that kidnapped the trill symbiont out of Dax, put it in himself. Gross. And it was like. It, granted, it was probably a couple of hours, but then he was able to take it out again without harming either of them. Yeah, but that again, I think yeah, I think it's a, I think it is a matter of time because Dax in that same episode would have died. Yeah, they 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 give some hard numbers in that one. Like, I mean, Jadzia would have died. That once is. you're fully joined, which takes like I think a day or two, if it's taken out of you, you're fucked. You're dead within. X number of hours. I want to know what in evolution made this the best way for the trill to uh, evolve. I once posited that you know originally it was probably like a parasitic thing with the with the symbionts. You know, they were a parasite, and then it just co-evolved over the yeah, centuries. Yeah, but the trill. But for the trill, it became like a a cultural thing that this yeah. is okay, yeah, even well, if. Like, what do the Trill get out of it? That's the question I think we've been trying to like ask ourselves for the past couple of seasons is, is this something good for them? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, again, like, there's there's status, you know, like, ooh, you're joined, you're someone special. Uh, I suppose also you can think of it as a form of, if not immortality, hyper-extended life in a certain sense. sense. Knowing it that sounds, you're... It's a legacy. And, yeah, it yeah. makes you a legacy. That's bullshit. Yeah. It sounds to me like whatever it is that cats have in their shit that makes you just want more cats. I feel like that's the parasitic relationship. They're like, no, no, it's super great to completely like give up your life for this worm thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's good. what it was down to. It was like parasites convince hosts that they're a good idea. <laughs> so what is it? That it's cat, sh it's cat shit disease. Yeah. But with Meow. a big fucking worm. Yeah. But again, then instead of like, Instead of evolving to be able to fight off the symbiont, they evolved a pouch and evolved to die if they leave the pouch after being in the pouch. I, it just it doesn't make any sense. Well, considering how integrated the symbiont must get into 
all the systems of the body. It, it does make sense that it would kill you if you fully fused with it, you know? Maybe, here's something we didn't consider. Maybe Trill are marsupials to begin with. Maybe mm. they have the pouch. Maybe they bear their young and rear them in the babies. pouch. No, no, babe. Yeah, and, and then, then... And that was just like... So they already had that adaptation, and the, and the symbionts were like, hmm, that looks like a nice Actually, place wait, to... I, just, I made that joke a few weeks ago. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, because we were talking about what happens when a trill gets pregnant. Does it get crowded in there? So, well, they yeah, actually you did. Oh, yeah, I do remember us having this conversation. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. it seems that trill's kink must be to just shove things in the pouch. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing, though. Trill, trill clothes don't need pockets. True. God damn it. So the other thing that I want to keep a close eye on as we're getting to know Esri more and more, because right now we only see glimpses of, of like her as the individual. Yeah. Is So she says that she's a therapist. And I know we've had a lot of discussions about how poorly they do with therapy or just any mental health acknowledgement in Star Trek. Yeah. And I want to keep a close eye on... Is Esri any good, or at least, lowest bar, better than Troy? Because so far, we've seen Cisco start talking to voices in front of her, and she's like, eh, whatever. I believe her response is, are my memories playing tricks on me, or have you gotten weirder? She does say that, yes. Which is like, hello, pot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do, I do know that we see her therapize somebody on the crew. Oh God! Hopefully Rise. not O'Brien. Oh, and, hopefully not you know, Worf. That'd be a and like conflict treat, of interest. treat a chronic condition. Yeah. So I mean, they do at least make an effort to explore that side of of her. And, and like then, I don't know, I feel like I feel like Ezri Dax gets kind of a shitty go of it because it's a character that. They've brought in, it's like a new character that they brought in in the very last season. Yeah, to replace a very also, beloved character. But it already, yeah, exactly. And it's and it's and it's not only to replace a beloved character; it's to replace the beloved character, but also inherit all of that other character's baggage. It's not just like, okay, we got a new crew member to replace Jadzia Dax, and now we have to get used to this new crew member. It's like, okay, we got a new crew member to replace Jadzia Dax, and it's also Dax. Um, yeah. So it's like it's a really tall order for the writing team to make this character work. It's almost like and they shouldn't so far have done it. <laughs> it. Yeah, they probably shouldn't have, but I guess the temptation, you know, when you have a character that that is that has the Dax power. Yeah, the option to still be a character. Yeah, like the temptation to to do that would just be too great, I think for the writers. And it is, I mean, you know, the way they've executed it so far is just kind of like, eh. But the idea of a sim- of a Trill who had never planned on being joined becoming joined is an interesting idea. You know, especially in light of a few seasons ago where it was revealed that the big Trill conspiracy is actually way more people are qualified to join than we let on. Um, it would be ironic if she actually was not... <laughs> She's like He's one, one of, of like the five percent that came. Yeah, <laughs> this is a bad idea. Well, here's what I'll say about Esri Dax. I love the idea that she's a counselor because that means she will stop talking and have to listen to other people <laughs> speaking. Here's hoping. and that will mean 
less Esri Dax talking. Fun fact. 100% on board. Uh, in the novels, she eventually says, fuck it, and switches to a command track. No. And winds up a captain. Uh, wow. Don't know how I feel yeah, about that. Luckily, the novels aren't canon, so. I mean, Another fun fact, S.D. Perry, who wrote the novelizations of Resident Evil games, uh, has written a shitload of Star Trek books. Oh, no. I just discovered this the other Ooh. day. Oh. Which series? They've, they've got a, um, so she's written part of the, like, pre-Deep Space Nine Terok Nor series. Huh. From like the from like the Cardassian, I think it's like from Cardassians first arriving at Bajor to like them taking over Bajor into the occupation. So it's a Ducat series. Okay, it I is. can get it. In Ducat this. is on the first on the cover of the first book. In fact, I've been thinking about picking them up, and then <laughs> a couple of books called I think they were called Avatar, maybe one and two. She wrote. I don't know. She's got a lot of Star Trek books. Yeah, she does. Well. Yeah, dude, S.D. Perry writes a fucking buttload. But the thing is, is I remember her not being that great of a writer, so I'm not sure how they are. But I'm going to give them a whirl. Well, you never know. She might, you know, with better material. Like, let's be honest, the Resident Evil lore gets really fucking convoluted and bonkers. So well, it's yeah, that's true. probably hard to work with. But, like, but the first, I, I and the first book was good enough. I feel like the, the first novelization was good, and I've read it like ten times, so. I feel like with with, like, novelizations of video games and movies... Oftentimes, quality is not the first priority when they're yeah. getting writers. No, it's just writers. giving them something else to buy. Yeah, and like bang out something very quickly too, right? Yeah, like I remember. I remember reading when I was in high school the novelization of Star Wars, and it ain't great. I read that too, and because uh, like somehow, like in my head, I didn't quite get that it was a novelization of the movie. I thought the movie was based on it, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think I had heard the same thing. Yeah. And then I was like, but wait, this isn't even written by George Lucas. It's written by some other dude. Yeah. So what the fuck? But I read it anyway. It won't It's because people will buy it, and therefore they can make money. Yeah, novelizations of things are basically just, they hand a writer the script, and then say, just turn this into prose, please. Yeah, basically. Whereas, um, you know, working in an existing world, but being able to do your own original story in it might be, you know, leaves a little more room for quality. It also turns out that it's very fucking hard to earn a living as a novelist. Yeah. Because hm. people don't buy books that much anymore. Or really ever, probably. Yeah, you gotta like, you gotta basically hope someone turns your book series into a television series. Yeah, well, I just saw a thing this week where they said like i can't remember what it was but it was a it was a very very few books last year sold over a hundred thousand copies wow i think it was like less than 200 books or something had sold over a hundred thousand copies and only one book had sold over a million copies and it was a harry potter novel probably so i can imagine as a as a writer taking contracts to do novelizations and, you know, write Star Trek fan fiction is probably great because you can crank it out fast. Yeah, it's consistent. You, it's got a built-in audience. Yep. Now, let's get back you to know, these episodes, though. get a bunch of those a year. Uh, do we have to? They were, like, I, I know Ira Bear has basically said, like, they, he stands by the strong choice to make the first episode as we're back at the start of a series and making it 
She's really, the, the word he uses is quiet. This is a very quiet episode because it's basically setting up things to go off of for the next episode where yeah. they open the wormhole back up because that didn't last very fucking long, did it? Nope. I was really looking forward to the wormhole being closed and we got barely got to explore that. Yep. It's not that the first episode was quiet. It's just that we've got three plots. Four, One if you is... count Damar and Wayun. Oh, right. Who were barely was... in it. Yeah, that was like pseudo tied into the Kira one a little, I guess. It reminds I actually think you the Damar plot, plot was my favorite of the plots because we learned more about Damar as a person than he's an alcoholic and yeah. a womanizer. Yeah. I mean, we I think that, though. The, the scenes with them are great. I, I love their dynamic. I enjoy that Damar is getting a little more like. He's, he's, he's talking back more, whereas originally he was kind of like. Oh, God, am I super replaceable? Like, what's going on here? Now he's drunk and belligerent and, you know. Yeah, but they don't uh, do a ton in their scenes. Their scenes are no. just them being characters, which is good. They're good characters. Yeah, it's fun watching them interact, but it's not vital. No, it's it's not. Like, you could cut those scenes and you wouldn't realize they were missing. Basically. True. Yeah, absolutely. Although I, I do love Wayun going, ah, the Romulan's so predictably treacherous. Well, that's just the love of Jeffrey Combs. Like, yeah, he could but be also, anybody, though, is the thing, because he's that versatile. Yeah. And yes, the Romans are so predictably treacherous. But yeah, you've got the three plots. Yep. The Wharf one is fucking awful. Yep. Because they like the idea on its own is fine. But again, they have to dredge up this stupid bullshit with Quark and Julian, which yeah. is dumb. All through Shadows and Symbols, my notes are basically... So why did they write it to be that Quark is even here? Is it just so Armin Shimmerman is in the show? It's, it's the writer. So I'm pretty yeah. sure that's it, because he doesn't contribute at all. All he does is bitch about being too hot. Like, that's basically his big thing. Yeah, yeah and that Worf didn't thank him. Fuck you, Quark. Yeah, and like, honestly, if it had been just doing it in solidarity yeah. to, for a friend... But because it has this undertone of, well, we also wanted a banger. That makes it unpleasant. That makes it really bad. Yeah, I and wish like, they had never done that. Yeah, no. It should have just been like, we all, you know, we're very close with Jadzia in different ways. Yeah, and we want to help Worf. And we want to help Worf and we want to honor Jadzia. Like, that would have been fine. And like Quark, it would have been nice if like there was, they ran into some problem that only he could solve exactly. with some unique skill that he had. You know, oh, the first time we, we did the, the you know, aggravate the sunbeam, it didn't work. But Quark happens to, you know, oh, if I pour some Saurian brandy into the emitter, it'll, <laughs> uh, you know, it'll get all feisty. Yeah, it reminded me of in Starship Down when Quark was like stuck in a room with Hanok, I believe, and that big missile Kool-Aid manned into the room. Yeah. And it was like, he had, it. he had nothing yeah. to do that entire episode long, and I was getting frustrated because it's like, you're not using Armin Shimmerman to be fucking useful. And then that happened, and Quark helped, and I was like, yay, good. But in this, he said nothing, he had nothing to do, no development. And he was just there to be mean to Worf, who is mourning his wife. Yeah. Like, even if it had been something as cliche as one of the systems is fucked up, but it's in this weird little corridor. What can <laughs> we do? And everyone just looks at Quark, who's like, God dang it. Yeah. 
that'd be great. And it'd be funny because he's because he's Quark. Yeah. Well, it was since, you know, in that episode, we've established that he has some acumen for dealing with weapons. Like he he knew how to disarm the, the, the warhead. He has a high luck roll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, it could have been a thing like that where like he just happened to have an understanding of something that allowed them to complete the mission. Even if it was just like he kind of knows his way around a bird of prey because of his previous fuck buddying with what's her name? Whose name escapes yeah. me? Grilka? Yeah. Like he actually kind of knows the systems. He can do more than just go like, it's hot. What's with all the cutlery? Yeah. Anything. So I, literally, they could have done literally anything with him and I'd have been happier than just watching him whine. Yeah, it's just such a waste of a character I usually enjoy. Like, that whole, like, again, it's a good idea as a plot, like, Worf wants to get Jadzia into Stovacor, but the yeah. execution was dismal. Yeah. And Overall, I, this is a really disappointing entry into a new season, I think. Agreed. Mm. Well, Sorry, I think Jake, they who, had a lot that they had to deal with. Yeah. And I think that because they had to, you know, because they had to do something about Jadzia. Like, it would have been weird if they didn't do a Worf dealing with Jadzia situation. They had to do, obviously, Ben Sisko getting on his groove Earth, back. getting his groove back. And then, you know, then, and because of that, then they needed to say, okay, well, then what's happening on the station? Yeah, it's still wartime. There is still yeah. war. So they kind of got forced to do those three plots. Yeah, I, I don't know what also... else they could have done. Yeah, I think it's also a little bit important to note the writers had no plan, which I read about because I think we're going to see as the the, the season progresses that they knew that they had to eventually get to the finish line. But everything up until there's going to be a big 10 episode strung together arc at the very end that is going to feel like a lot, I think. But up until they, they piece that together, it's like it was all just, OK, what do we do with this person now? I don't know. How mm. about this? And it's, it, it's going to be very unplanned. I got to say, though, in this episode, I think the biggest missed opportunity for me mm. was doing more or doing better to ki with ki the Kira plot, because. I don't know, the Romulan thing didn't really work for me. Uh. I, what okay so and maybe they didn't do this because they kind of did it with Jellico already but i think it would have been really interesting to see Ooh. a new starfleet commander be yeah. appointed a replacement it's been three months cisco yeah and like and like we kind of, you know when cisco first got there obviously he and kira butted heads a lot and that was sort of an early plot device that they leaned on it'd be interesting to see how that might have been used because it, it doesn't make sense to me that Kira is now the sole person in charge. Yeah, like, I even feel like Oda Starfleet wouldn't have anything. done a lot. Like, obviously, she's very capable. Yeah. But I don't think that Starfleet would have let that fly. That's a good point. Yeah. I, th I think I also read like somewhere someone points out that, hey, DS9 is technically a Bajoran station. So the fact that it was Admiral Ross's decision to let the Romulans on board should not have been a thing. Well, it's a Bajoran station, but it's under Starfleet. Like Starfleet commands it. They're they like the 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 Bajoran government, you know, it's like 
a, a U.S. base in Germany or something, right? Like, like they they've been given dispensation by the Bajoran government to operate the station. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a weird hybrid model, and maybe though, maybe the presence of Ross, since he seems to have kind of made this his unofficial headquarters, is why they didn't bother sending in a replacement yet. Oh, he kind of took that role. Yeah, they're like, all right, Cisco claims he's coming back. It's been a few months, but Ross is there. If he if he takes much longer, we'll start talking about it. But oh, this explains we, something a little bit actually too, because there was a line that Odo delivers in the in the very very long teaser of episode one where he's like, "Oh, an Admiral Ross, or should I say, Bill?" And I'm like, "What the fuck does that mean, Odo? Oh, are you fucking that. Ross? What the hell are you doing?" But maybe that's because not anymore. But they did apparently. <laughs> But I wonder if that's because to explain that Ross has been here so much that they've started, they've gotten to the point where they can call each other by first name. Yeah, or Ross went to one point and said, hey, yeah, call me Bill. Although I did like, I saw that the uh, the actor thought his first name was Cliff because that's what his name is on the diplomas in his office. <laughs> that's good. But the, but no one pays attention to that because you, te- you can't really read it on screen. Yeah. You'd think like whoever whatever you know artist created those diplomas might have been like huh he's <laughs> bill now eh maybe 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 his middle maybe he's clifford william ross oh yeah he just there goes go. by bill he goes he goes by he goes by bill cliff is a family name yeah exactly. he's like cliff w ross the fourth so yeah he's bill. i'll buy that i'll buy that there we go we fixed it i like it yeah, and Kira is now Colonel Kira, which I'm a big yep. fan of. Yeah, you got a promo. I'm a big fan of the promotion. I'm not a big fan of the new outfit. I didn't even notice the new outfit, but I like the new hair. Yeah, she got braids now. The little braids, a little bit longer. I guess uh, Nana had specifically asked to get Kira a promotion, even if it was off screen. Would have been nice if it was on screen, but it was off screen because she was like, dudes, everyone else has gotten promotions so far. Kira should get a promotion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I'm, you know, so obviously the ranking in Starfleet, which, you know, basically matches like U.S. naval ranks, is not the same as the Bajoran military, which seems to be more like army ranks. Yeah. But like, so, but, so a colonel in the army is probably actually. I believe it actually would be equivalent to a captain in the Navy. I think we also have, to of... also have to remember these are coming through a translator. Yeah. yeah. So, but I'm wondering if like, so if she's been promoted to the equivalent of a captain, and the only reason I'm thinking that is because a colonel is directly under a general. Mm, general and a, Kira and a sounds nice too. captain is directly under a rear admiral, I believe. <laughs> but I don't yeah. know shit about the military, so I only, all I know, I know from watching Stargate SG-1. Ah. See, I know so little about the military that I did not understand what was going on in their little standoff with the 12 Bajoran fighter ships versus several gigantic fucking warbirds and good mm. goddamn luck and what the fuck happened there yeah yeah well that was that 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 was a cop out that was a big cop out it was also like i i don't know like it was just kira's stance there was objectively stupid <laughs> because she was going to get a bunch of people killed yeah 
Uh, oh, see, and- that, that, that was the one part that made sense to me. Was because, like, you know... Typical Bajor. Yeah, because at one point, Admiral Ross says, this is a fight you can't win. And I was like, this proves Ross doesn't get the Bajorans. The Bajorans find fights they can win boring. You know, they're more likely to be into a fight if there's no hope. I guess so. But, like, what was her fucking plan? Because if she had stood her ground, they would have just all been killed. Like they yeah, even said then, that enti- their entire like little fleet of of impulse ships hmm. wouldn't stand up to one warbird, let alone wonder, the half dozen that were attacking. I wonder if some of it is if the Romulans attack and kill us, Starfleet will not be able to stand by them. But then the but war we need is them in the over. war, so oh so, no, like, that makes no sense. Honestly, blow uh, up the moon! Blow up the moon! Yeah. Blow up the wormhole, blow up the moon. I mean, I, I get it. It's, it is one of those things where, <laughs> you know, the Bajora, Bajora is a, uh, you know, clearly like, I don't know. They're they're not a a great power, and if and they're just gonna get stomped hmm. and like letting little things like the Romulans have missiles on their moon is. You know, a violation of their sovereignty, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, but it is, it, it's, it's it. a shitty position that they were in, and it sucks that the Federation didn't back them up initially, mm. um, or didn't back. You know, they oh well, we we asked, we sent a pr- a formal protest, so I guess that's all we can do. You have but, to um, also think of it of. If on the very long shot we win the Dominion War, haha, <laughs> and Romulus still has a base on a Bajoran moon, that's going to be a bad thing to have there. Yeah. Well, also, considering that the Federation wants Bajor in the Federation for some stupid nope, reason, don't do it. You know, at that point, then you basically have a Romulan base on Federation soil, potentially. That can't be great. So, really, this sounds like a foothold type situation, you know, where it's like, you know, you get, you have the Romulans setting up for their post-war situation in the in the uh, Bajoran sector. Yeah, or, well, they, you know, you know, last season they kind of talked about that a little, where Odo mentions, like, huh, so the Romulans took this planet, which is good news for the current war, but are they going to leave when it's over? Mm. Like, that really, is kind the- of interesting. The best thing that happened to uh, the Alpha Quadrant in the Federation after the war is Shinzon murdering most of the, uh... Oh, the Senate? Senate. Oh, God. And their star going Nova. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Romulus, they're like... They're they're so close. So close. And then one of their convoluted-ass plans that makes no sense... Bit them in the ass. Yep. Let's copy Picard mm-hmm. <laughs> for re. Let's copy Picard for some reason. Brilliant. God damn that. Do movie. it. Also, Jake, I, I finally found it. Yes, Colonel is equivalent to Captain. Okay. Yeah. So now, so so she she is on par with with Cisco now in terms of rank. Yep. About fucking time. Well, but also he's still the emissary, so I'm sure she'll never like act that way. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about the emissary shit. 
Ugh. Oh, it was now, so fucking stupid. Everything about it was stupid. Tell me, tell me how stupid things were, Caitlin. I just, I thought that, I don't know. I thought the fact that, I mean, starting with just, what's his dad's name? Joe? Joe. Joe. I feel like Joe not telling him who his real mother is is fucked up and stupid. Like, this smacks of, like, you know, people bitching about, like, Spock never mentioned he had a half-brother. Spock never mentioned he had a adopted sister. It's like, he at least had, like, there was precedent for him doing it. It mm. seems unusual to me that Joe... I'm your happy dad. Yeah. I care about you and check up on you, Daddy Cisco. It just seems weird that yeah. this would be hidden like this. I feel so like I his, his reaction of, no, I will not tell you about this woman, even though it is incredibly important to your whole profit thing that you just saw a vision of her and I should probably tell you, but no, I will not tell you anything about this woman. Joe, yeah, what everything the fuck is wrong with you? He just like went from zero to like absolutely bullshit. Where the, where the fuck did you find this picture? And Jake's like, it was literally like on, it was just, it was in the piano bench. Like, I don't know. I found it cleaning. Like what do you fucking lock it up in a secret vault? If you don't want people to find this shit, first of all. Mm -hmm. So that was stupid. It was stupid that like Cisco was like, I don't know, like eugenics into existence or whatever the fuck. That's a little fucking weird. Again, really, 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 like, even worse profit scene than usual. It was, like, even more poorly written. Well, like, it's the first time where it's just like, he goes, would you motherfuckers just give me a straight answer? <laughs> and they did. I did like, like I wonder if that's because that particular prophet that he was talking to had actually lived as a human, mm. basically. For yeah. time, so, so they so got it. Under, understood more. how linear worked, unlike the oh, other. Oh, that's ones. interesting. Yeah, that make. I mean, I don't want to wrap my brain about that, but I wanted to say, like, the one thing I did like about that prophet scene is they did, at the very least, have more than one location in it. That's mm. true. Which a bunch of the previous ones we've had were literally just pace around Cisco in a room, and mm. I was fucking done. In this one, you could see, like, okay, now we're in the 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 restaurant now we're in this other area we're, we're doing the whole memory thing uh memory house and each one is in a room of your memory house yeah you're right that so was that's a little something. better i accept your explanation though jake i like that i think that the you know the implication like as as icky as the you know prophet taking over a person and making having them... sex with joe yeah like as much as Although, you know, young Brock Peter is not, not a terrible looking man, so, you know, you never know. He was uh, good friends with Michelle Nichols. Um, I didn't know that. But, yeah, I think having, I think, yeah, that's, that's a little icky, but the idea that this, that basically everything has been set up by the prophets. Because they can see through time. Because they can see through time. Like, they've, they went as far as to create the emissary to make sure that the emissary got created. They made their own grandfather paradox and then fucked him. Yeah. So like they, they, so like that is somewhat interesting. There's a lot of consequences. There's a lot of interesting sort of implications that stretch beyond just the, the profit plot line in the show. For example, like things that I think about the visitor in the visitor. Oh yeah, he's in that 
other realm. He's trapped in subspace, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole and basically none of the bad shit happened. Like there was no Dominion War, there was no Jadzia Dax getting killed. Like everything that happened there happened completely differently than what we've seen. But that's not the way the wormhole aliens wanted it to go. So that, right. were they the ones making him appear to Jake? Right. Or did or like Yeah. Like did they know about that? Did they were they aware of, of what happened in the visitor? I don't know. Or Children of Time. Were they aware of that? Like Yeah. Yeah, they know. needed it to go this way, therefore any other possibility. Like, you know, when they went back and did trouble with Tribbles, like, they knew that that, that they couldn't blow up the station. Like, they know everything, because they know how it, they know the way it needs to go. Right. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, It's like one of those things where, like, if if this series were a J.J. Abrams series, they just never would have ended it. They just would have, they just would have had the end be, you know... And Ben Sisko turned out he was in purgatory the whole time. I want to know why they brought Benny back for this episode, too. Well, that was a false vision, remember? Yeah, the paw yeah, wraiths. The paw wraiths tricking him. Which is interesting. Does that mean the that box. the first Benny Russell experience oh. was also a paw wraith? No, situation? the first. The first. Because I, I, I had to read about this because. As brilliant as Far Beyond the Stars is, it's a little bit weird when you try to work it into what's happening in real life. Yeah. Um, And the explanation that I've seen that makes the most sense is the prophets showed him that that vision to to like help him get over the loss of his friend Swarkin. What was the guy's name? Swafford. To get over over Swafford, a person I don't give a shit about. But Cisco did. Okay. So I didn't realize that's what that was going on this time around was a paw wraith thing. Yeah, they were trying to fuck with him. Yeah, yeah make so him not like, open the box. All right. Well, which is fi- interesting fine, I guess. because he, he couldn't talk to the prophets because they're trapped in the wormhole, but apparently he could talk to the paw wraiths because they were able to give him visions. Well, someone showed him the, like the magic fucking sentient ball showed yeah. him the vision of the face in the sand. Well, I was guessing that was. You know his mother, basically the 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 prophet that was because his because she lives in the box. It lives in the box in the orb of the emissary. I think she's just a free roaming prophet that is like <laughs> that just fucks people sometimes. When the time comes, you know you got to make sure Cisco finds the box because that's you know that's the that's the orb that the Pares don't know about. That's the one that that's gonna stay alive when all the other ones are dead. Okay. I do like the idea, though, that maybe there's some sort of, like, junior prophet, some sort of, like, you know, new-to-the-office prophet, entry-level prophet, who lives in the baseball. (laughs) (laughs) That's why the baseball has such a great arc. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. It also explains how uh, Esri threw it so far when she really just kind of lobbed it, but it was Uh, about good arm. Didn't look like it was that far of a throw. It seemed a decent length from where they'd been. Excellent ball acting. I also wanted to give um, Cisco a little bit of shit because he gets the the necklace or whatever that fucking thing was from that yeah. Sarah had, and he's like, "Oh, it has ancient Bajoran writing on it. I wonder what it says." And he has to go look it up. But the thing is, like a while ago, when he saw those stone tablets that said "Welcome Emissary," 
he was able to translate emissary immediately. Well, he that's knows true. the word for emissary. But of the, course he does. But that's just kind of like his own dick stroking, isn't it? But literally the transcription in the necklace or whatever it was, was orb of the emissary. So you'd think he would have recognized the word emissary yeah, at, at the, the very, very least. least. Unless this Idiot. was different ancient Bajoran. Oh. Maybe this is less ancient Bajoran. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like, that was ancient ancient Bajoran. This is like middle ancient Bajoran. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like English. Middle how at English. first it was sort of Celtic, then Germanic, and then, you know, you get around Shakespeare and it's mostly comprehensible. Maybe, maybe it was a font issue. Maybe it was a font mm. that is harder to understand. Like, mm. if you're trying uh, to tell the difference between print and cursive, good yeah. fucking luck. Yeah, or Still it was like using this was that weird tall F thing yep. or TH or whatever it is. What was that? Is there a thorn? There we go. Oh, it is, it is the sound TH though, right? TH is a, it's a thorn. Thorn. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but getting um, back to to Cisco, my yes. fucking god, I have I have a quote here by Ivor Stephen Bear that I don't know how I feel about. Okay. Quote: I just felt that all the Starfleet captains are treated like gods by the viewers. Clearly, the next step was to actually make one of those captains a god or godlike. That's kind of amusing. The yeah, fucking and they... fumes from bleaching his beard hair so he can dye it stupid colors is clearly <laughs> rotting his stupid brain. See, the thing is, it feels less like a god thing because, you know, again, the prophets aren't linear. Well, they're so, not gods either. They're so, just aliens. Yeah, but I also, all I can think of is the end of Bill and Ted where they're like, okay, remember, we have to do this when we get out of here. Yeah, we have to put so a bucket above the door so it falls on some guy's head, even though nothing starts it from falling. Yeah, mm. so like the end of the series comes and the prophets go, okay, we got to make sure Ben Sisko gets born and this happens and that happens. And we're going to give Odo a wedgie that one time just because it's funny. Odo doesn't wear clothes. During that brief period where he's okay. solid, got they it. give him away. <laughs> Ooh, good point. <laughs> imagine imagine being solid for the first time and just wearing the same ugly bullshit you've always been wearing. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, I know it's a uniform, but he could, I don't know, we could have seen evening wear Odo at some point. Mm. Yeah, everybody else, every once in a while, will have a scene in their, civi- in their civvies. Their civvies? Their but, jammies. Uh, but Odo, yeah, oh, he, he's, just, he's always on duty. Well, he doesn't wear Jimmy Jams. I like to think that Odo probably sleeps in the nude. Having, uh, having said this, you know, that's one thing we didn't consider. We talked about Solid Odo's first experiences. You know, Solid Odo's first wedgie. Huh. Mm. This is horrible. It's so chafing. I'd like to think that underwear technology has come a long way by the 24th century. I bet you they just don't wear underwear. Oh, no, we've seen them wear underwear because we saw O'Brien strip down once. And don't yeah. they wear it in Enterprise, too? Well, yeah, but that's the twenty. Oh, that's early. Yeah, yeah. It's sorry, also sorry, only sorry. for the purpose of of titillating, you know, twenty year old viewers. Ugh. Actually, we'll talk more about like that in a couple years. year old viewers. I gotta say, I was a teenage viewer at the time, and I just thought it was gross. Yeah, I think most people did. Cool. So here's my question: Is Cisco just Jesus? He is basically Bajoran Jesus. I don't like it. Well, to be Jesus, you have to die for someone's sins. So if this is some kind of haphazard spoiler for what happens to uh, Cisco, let's not go here. 
I mean, so I don't know anything know, about what happens to Cisco at the end of the show. This also isn't like new information because he's always been, pro- you know, prophesized, you know, the, the emissary and all that. Like that's. Well, that's the thing, right? Like. Up until this point, he's the emissary to the prophets and. All that necessarily means is he's not inherently messianic. He's They're just, just the person they talk to. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look again at, at, at the Abrahamic faiths, there's so many examples of people like that. And what it, normally they're called prophets, which makes it oh, I was gonna ask a little if confusing. Would, if you call this like a seer. Yeah. Isn't he's this kind of like what Tiresias did back in the classical era. He's an oracle. Oracle. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's a word. Like, so the, the, the whole, like, begotten by the prophets coming in at the 11th hour like this does... Deus ex machina. Me- <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of really what it is. It was, he's a, he's a deus ex. But they're not gods. They're just aliens. Well, deus aliens. Aliens ex machina. Yes, um, there it is. <laughs> but yes, I guess whether or not he is explicitly space Jesus, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the finale. Aliens ex Deus ex machina. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's just a matter of, I know we've talked about marrying science fiction and religion and how that tends to go in a really, really squicky way. And here's another Ira, Ira Baird quote is, we wanted to show that like war, religion can be a dangerous thing. This was specifically in reference to the cult of the Plarates, uh, but I feel like it just, it's also very relevant to the writing of these episodes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you are making a Jesus, guys, in a sci-fi mm-hmm. show, and it's getting weird, and I don't know what you're trying to say. Maybe I he'll be more. Like this is a rough start. Maybe he'll be more of an Arthur. King Arthur, or Arthur the Aardvark? <laughs> um, either. Arthur know, why not both? Ooh. Yeah, because they, they, they inject a bit of messianicness into the Arthur myth at some point, but it's a slightly different way it works, so. I don't know a ton about the Arthur myth. Who I worked the... on a show about Arthur and I understood none of it. And who, Chris who wrote it. The... I was going to say, I worked on that show. But who is the Lancelot. rabbit that's friends with Arthur in this? Oh, good. Um, oh, that Lance rabbit. A lot. See, that again, be because Dax? Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Uh, you say rabbit, I'm thinking. Ah. Yeah, no, no, I'm talking about the the one that's like Buster. Kind of, Buster, there you go. I don't, yeah, I didn't know the character name. Buster, I think, is probably Curzon. Okay. Like, I feel like if there's any character that Arthur's gonna get shit faced and get whores with, it's it's totally Buster. Buster. Cool. Weird. Where does where does his sister DW fit into all of this? Uh, well, in early seasons before they decided they never existed, there had been Cisco siblings, hmm. but that was also when it was heavily implied that his father was already dead. So siblings goes. I don't know. Oh yeah, were the siblings younger than the siblings must be younger? I they don't know if that's established. Doesn't matter. They don't exist anymore. Yeah, because here's the other question: Is when did the stepmother come into play? Because I keep wanting to say Brock Peters. Joe! Joe specifically says, oh, I spent years looking for Sarah, and I finally found her, and it was too late. She was already dead. So she was. She went away when Benny was one. Years passed. I think he says three years specifically. Three years? Was it three? I missed I miss if there was a mention. So at least three years passed. So Ben Sisko is probably like four at the time where we learn that Sarah is dead. 
Yeah. So assuming Joe at least allowed for one day of mourning um, before marrying whoever the stepmother is and convincing the stepmother, now listen, lady, we're never going to show you on the show, so we're just going to make sure that you know, never, never tell Ben you're not his mom. What yeah. the hell? It would have just made more sense. I mean, if they were thinking ahead. They weren't. Which they weren't. But if they were, it would have made more sense just to make it so that Cisco didn't know his mother and that, mm. you know, he had always heard that, you know, he, she, she was died dead. in childbirth or whatever. So um, did the prophets kill Sarah to keep their secret? No, I think. Oh, you mean on the hover bike or whatever it was? Yeah. Did they cause the accident? No, I don't think so. Or I, I, like, don't, I don't get that implication. If Joe had found her, she could have been like, I don't, what were you, you know, like, does she remember her time when she was possessed? Well, they're not, they didn't make her leave. She left because all of a sudden the, the not the pirate, the prophet, the prophet that was inside her was gone. And she was like, oh, God damn, this isn't my life. And she left. Right, that's what I mean, though. So, like, did she just, like, kind of wake up one day like she'd been in a coma? Like, how conscious was she? When the prophet was piloting her. That is fucking horrifying. Right? Like, we don't know. I would uh, like to think it's traditional star uh, science fiction takeover where you can watch everything with horror but can't do anything to stop uh, it. Like John Malkovich. Yeah, like, I just, I'm kind of wondering, like, I think maybe they killed her. I mean, there's nothing to say they did, but also there's nothing to say they didn't, and they clearly don't care about anything but Ben. Yeah, That's I don't know. The if thing. they were going to do that, though, they would have just, like, given her a massive aneurysm like yeah. the Paw Wraith was going to do to Keiko. And also, mm. I don't get the, the indication anywhere that the prophets care at all past what they want to do. And what they want to do is make Ben happen, check that off the list. Now let's go off, off and forget what baseball is, because none of us happen to know. God damn it. <laughs> but if it were... Maybe it was important for things to play out the way they did that she was dead. Like, because maybe if she weren't, you know, just, you know, Ben would have ended up having some kind of relationship with her. And, you know, then he wouldn't have been inspired to go to Tyree or whatever. I don't know. I, I could see there being reasons. I like how. So no one said that the, that where they needed to go was Tyree. Right. He just knew from the vision. But the vision he was clearly of Southern California. Stretch of desert. <laughs> He's just like, huh, this could be two places in the galaxy. The Vasquez Rocks or Tyree. Tyree. He probably actually probably before he decided it was Tyree, he probably like beamed over and just looked around Southern California and didn't find a box. Well, you know, it was it was the uh, the uh, junior assistant to the director prophet in the baseball went Tyree. Ah, uh. yes. It's my new favorite character, by the way. The baseball? The junior assistant prophet inside the baseball. I like it. It's a good headcanon. Oh, I missed it. I missed my opportunity when we were talking about reading the fucking necklace that has the ancient Bajoran writing on it. And I said, oh, man, you know who we need to decode the ancient Bajoran? Dax. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Just one more thing that Ben needs needs her for that she's not there for. That, I I do kind of, like, I I don't remember if this happens because... I don't remember a lot of this season, even though I know I saw it, but uh, it it would be kind of funny. Dax, I need you to do some sort of science-y thing. And she's like, it's not me anymore. I mean, I kind of remember, but not enough. Nope, that sounds like too much talking for for For, Esri. For for their reason to not have that character on the station. I would see maybe having like an episode or two where we visit new Dax, but putting her on the station 
probably a bad idea for the other characters involved. Yeah. But it's like, you know, like Bashir is going to be humping her leg and Quark Quark and Bashir are going to be humping her legs at the same time. And it's going to be really awkward while Worf cries and war. Yeah. Worf will be crying and Cisco will be like trying to get free therapy. (laughs) I think it's all free in the future. It's probably true. Uh, I did like, I did like this part of like Worf's uh, arc though. This uh, showing that he is definitely a better husband than a boyfriend. Mm. And a Starfleet officer. (laughs) Though I will say that, like, I find all of it a little weird trying to, like, convert someone into your religion officially after death. It just, that gives me a weird, and I think it's probably because when I was, like, literally in high school, I dated a boy who got really upset when I said I didn't believe in Christ. And he was like, but, but I want you to be saved. And I was like, wow, that's weird. I don't know about this. Uh, well, d- d- that's you know how what, it feels. You know what the Mormons do? They yes. they baptize posthumously. So like they'll go to they'll go to grave sites and like baptize the the dead the deceased. So you know so that they can be brought into the the light of Christ. Jesus well, I don't like that. So for all you know, after you're dead, some Mormons are going to come and. Uh, baptize you that's why and you'll you'll just wake up in in uh mormon heaven colob that's why eaten by a whale is my way to go (laughs) oh jesus fucking christmas no (laughs) chris just really had a visceral reaction there uh that's why i'm gonna be cremated well they can find your ashes though then they would just turn me into some kind of soup they wouldn't baptize me no, it's not creamed, a, a it's cremated. Yeah. Mm. I'm saying if they add water to the ashes, oh, so it turns into a slurry, but that was a good one. Just toss my corpse into a volcano. How about if I t- what if we toss your corpse into a whale? No, no whales! <laughs> they don't get to win in the end. Aww. <laughs> that, that's true, we're probably going to hunt them into extinction. Womp womp. Oh, well, Thanks that's not what lot, I meant, Chris. but... The last thing I wanted to bring up um, to Chris, the aesthetics pedant... Yes. What did you think of our new desert wandering outfits? <laughs> oh, God. Ash, you know, I mean, they looked less like desert wandering outfits and more like something you would wear at a spa. It looked like athleisure wear. <laughs> spa wandering. Yeah, like I feel like the robe, the yeah. robe seems like it'd be really nice to put on after a shower. Hmm. But the rest of it was definitely like, the fuck? And why didn't they spring for the full outfits for Jake and Joe? (laughs) They just Mm. had their robe on over their normal clothes. Yeah. Well, Well, what's really funny, too, is Joe had been wearing a shirt on the roundabout. You two got me doing it now. (laughs) Runabout. Which you could could tell from the material was very much like a very light, breathable shirt. And then he changed into like a cotton button up to go on down to the (laughs) desert. It's like, Joe! They had Whoa. everybody in, in linen, in, like, nice flowy linen, and they were like, fuck it, stick us in as much of a fucking man-made garbage as you can. We want to be as hot as possible. What I argued was perhaps it was some kind of specially formulated fabric of some kind that was, like, you know, dispersing the sunlight so that it wasn't getting hot with the sunlight hitting it, or, like, maybe it was... I don't know. I'm it's sure like we can make up some Star Trek bullshit about... <laughs> how that robe maybe was super nice and cool because 
It's all science fiction. I do kind of wish Joe had actually had more to do on Tyree, considering they insisted on having him tag along. Yeah, considering they insisted. I don't know why he was there at all. He was, like, dying. He's like, you go ahead, son. (laughs) They dragged the actor, 80-year-old Brock Peters, into the fucking desert (laughs) to have him just be there for no reason. Like, he didn't didn't help. Like, maybe he had, like, if he had somehow been able to- Well, neither did Quark. He and Quark are foils for each other yeah. in this. Yeah. Somehow. He oh, shouldn't have been the one to throw the ball. Mm. Or like maybe he, unlike Jake's, because Jake got zapped, like maybe he somehow could have broken through and helped oh, yeah. Ben with the fake vision. Oh, when Jake did that great flip? That was yes. awesome. I doubt that was actually Sherlock Lofton, but it was a great flip. <laughs> I, poor Jake, she's like, God, oh, this prophet bullshit. He's I told so, you last so time this was a bad idea. He's so done with all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. he's kind of realized by now that this is not going anywhere good. Like, Yeah, no, he's just like... He's a writer. He's already imagined hundreds of endings to this story, I'm sure. All of them terrible. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Insert your own Avengers joke here about a million possible timelines. So... What if I don't want to? I feel like this episode also gave rise to a certain portion of the fan base believing that all of Star Trek was written by Benny Russell. Like, that that we're really just watching a story within a story. Which is what mm. Justice was fearing when, when he told us how he had never watched that episode, because that yeah. was the fear. And, like, yeah, in that episode, like, that episode is a one-off kind of work, but in this episode where, he, where Cisco's literally writing the episode as it's happening. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, like, the episode stops when Benny stops writing and then starts up again when he starts writing again. You know, obviously they explain it as, oh, no, no, this is just a vision that Ben Sisko was having that was given to him by the Parath. But I could see somebody taking the, taking the position that, no, 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 this is literally Benny's writings that we are watching. And yeah. Well, it doesn't help that, I mean, didn't you say, Ames, that they had considered making that the series finale? Yeah, and I'm glad that they will not. Yeah, no, because that's dumb. Yeah, I did like seeing um, Casey Biggs out of of makeup. That was was very fun. And I also looked up that the writing that was on the wall, which was handwritten by, like, the whole team of the art department, because it was a lot of fucking writing. Wow. But the writing was all the episode synopses from the Deep Space Nine companion. As oh, that's funny. From the first six uh, seasons, because it was already in, in process. Oh, I like that. That's pretty good. That is so much work for, like, because so much of that could have just been squiggles and we'd have no idea. Well, you'd know, you'd know because every so often they wanted to make sure if the camera passed across and someone could recognize it, say, like, Kira or Odo. Or yeah, if, yeah. If, if, they, if they wanted to, they wanted to make sure if, if something were, were actually legible on screen. I don't know how much is because I didn't check. This, yeah, but I mean, all I mean were, was like, you know, they've got all these walls. And like, if you know, we're only ever going to get close to this one. This is the only <laughs> one we have to do it with. But they're like, yeah, no, fuck all of it. All of it's going to be real. Well, like, it's because these people are like peddling in stories about the future. They knew they knew the televisions were going to be better someday. Yeah. You know, uh, I assume they also uh, started off thinking, OK, we're going to try to make it look like Avery Brooks's handwriting. They took an Avery Brooks hand, handwriting sample and said, let's make it like this. And they gave up on that real fucking fast. <laughs> fuck that. I actually just want to say just in terms of it not being a whole Benny Russell story. I'm really glad 
that that's not how it went to, because that would mean that they were using the trick that they suggested using to sneak a black captain into people's living rooms to sneak a black captain into people's living rooms. True. Oh, and I'm yeah. real, it would have totally delegitimized like beyond it just being fucking stupid. It would have entirely delegitimized everything about that. We got that was progressive and good in this, including again, black captain, a, a really great, you know, relationship between a black man and his son. Well, actually all three generations of, you know, loving black family. I like, this would have just Joe been... didn't tell us about Sarah. Damn it, Joe. Well, yeah, everyone fuck Joe. fucks up I'm sometimes. mad at him. Fucks up for at least 45 years of someone's life. I feel like there was something else I was thinking, too, and now I can't think what it was. Oh, I uh, I thought Damar looked a lot better under his makeup than Gul Dukat. Gul Dukat, Marco Lemo. Yes. No, yes? That's not a good-looking man. He's a good-looking Cardassian. He's a great-looking Cardassian. But he's not a good-looking human. Damar is like an okay-looking Cardassian and like an okay-looking human, but definitely better a better-looking human than Marco Lemo. In my opinion. And we all know the most fuckable version of Jeffrey Combs is Shran. Don't disagree. I, I like Wei. I, I like Wei Yoon. Nah, I'm just being a wiseacre. Jk, it's Brunt. <laughs> No, it isn't. No, yeah. not those teeth. Oh, God, no. Ferengi teeth are hideous. Especially his, though. He's got, like, three. You know, considering what a position of power he holds, I feel like Brunt doesn't have very impressive lobes. I never mm-hmm. look at Brunt FCA and think, look at the lobes on that. Yeah, yeah but he's not, like a good, he's not like a good businessman. Like, he's a toady. He's, a, yeah, he's, he's a like a bureaucrat. Yeah. So he probably doesn't have the lobes. Oh my god, so this is this is what Napoleon syndrome is in Ferengi, or like the whole like, oh yeah, look at the big dick on this guy with his like crotch rocket Kawasaki ninja motorcycle. This is, it's like, he's, his lobes are actually kind of small, so he has to like lord it around on people by being like the most horrible bureaucrat that ever bureaucratted. I can see it. Right. God damn it, Brunt. I imagine cosmetic lobe enhancement is a major industry. Oh my all god. The, all yeah. the porn websites are like, do you want bigger lobes? Yeah. That's <laughs> why they go to Vulcan in two weeks. <laughs> That's why Natural they go to Vulcan doctors. They, yes. Well, it's because <laughs> surprised they're not going to Earth doctors since, you know, they heard uh, Spock's ears actually just got caught in a rice picker. So they're... Uh, uh, no, Vulcan, the Vulcan doctors will keep your secrets, though. Will they? It is logical. Unlike Romulans. Yeah. Human doctors, they gossip. Who doesn't? Vulcan doctors. Oh, also, the Costa Nostra, or whatever it's called, actually got named in this one, right? The Costa Yeah, that. I don't think we got a name for this until now. Like, I know you guys were calling him the Costumogen, but I think yeah, that was yeah. just because you knew it. <laughs> yeah, because I, because Costa I Nostra. It. I couldn't remember what the fuck it was called. I knew it was something like that. Yeah, so I wonder, so is the implication that there is only one Paw Wraith and it's the Kosamojin? Because no. that's the same guy that did the Reckoning. But I think it was a different one that inhabited Keiko that time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, much like, I just imagine there's one, a ton apparently. Of yeah, like this one's maybe the most powerful or something, or is at least the boss, but... I would guess that there are an equal number of Prophets and Paw Wraiths. Mm. Balance. Yeah. They talk about Reckoning and all this shit. I just feel like it's probably pretty symmetrical. Yep. Well, not anymore because they shat they shat out Kosamojin out of the wormhole. Mm. So is Kosamojin dead now? I doubt it. K 
Can is they Kosa die? Is Mojin just Lucifer? Is he the That's Luc- what if, it is. If Ben Sisko is Jesus, is he just Lucifer? <laughs> ben Sisko isn't Jesus. He's Anakin Skywalker. He's no. going to bring balance. Now this is Padres. To the, I mean, he did build that stupid sailing ship oh, for man. funsies. Now this is historical accuracy. It crashes <laughs> into Cardassia or whatever. Very, very nearly. That's what. It, there we go. We've solved it. Ben. He's going to kill all the younglings. Oh God. Okay, but how how are his midichlorian counts? Does he want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> I do. No wait. Oh man, we have fun. Do we? I, I guess had we do. Fun. This I one was fun. This one was fun because there was a lot to pick apart. Yeah, it's it's uh. It sure is. Next week, though. Oh, oh man. no. Oh, God, no. Here Whoa. it comes. So here's the moment the Ames has been waiting for for five years we've been doing this podcast. She this is what she's dreading wanted. this. What, after image? Is it really bad? <laughs> oh, Caitlin, Caitlin tells a joke. Oh, wow. Caitlin told the joke. Well, speaking of next week, uh, apparently we're going to be talking about the uh, allegedly horrible after image <laughs> and a cute little story I've heard lots of great things about. Take me up to the holodeck. <laughs> uh, if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, start to steer her by, aside from being probably right where you found it this week, next week, is also on SoundCloud, SoundCloud Stitcher, Apple and Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for a start to steer her by. You can follow us or read some stuff on Tumblr and Twitter at SSHB Podcast, or you can visit SSHBpodcast.com, our home on the web. It's not all Star Trek. Sometimes we talk about different movies in our 10 forwards. Sometimes we talk about, well, that's really the only time it is in Star Trek, but the rest oh, of the man. time it basically is. We We're talk- getting closer to fanfic time and I'm getting excited. Getting a little, yeah, I should, uh, I should start writing now. I'm, you I, don't I even know what your picks are yet. Just kidding. I'll write it in the five minutes before the show, as usual. Um, well, I the, wouldn't uh, want to switch it up now. The Mass Effect re-release just came out. I should, I don't know, write something about that. You're going to write a Mass Effect fanfic? No, no, but just, you know, because it's it has been called by some, unironically, the best Star Trek game, so. Wow. I and also, know, I they played best? Star Trek Voyager Elite Force? Best also, Star Trek movie. I completely Galaxy forgot. Quest. Marina Sirtis is a voice in the first one. Oh shit! Oh, Who nice. is she? I, I don't know how I forgot that. How does she? Who does she play? Uh, she plays a secondary villain. Yeah. So she gets to be all like sultry and angry. Oh, that's my favorite Marina Sirtis. Um. Oh, very briefly. Yes. I know oh, in the outro. No. What? Admiral Senator Fucking Kretak. Kretak. We'd seen her previously. She was Why? part of the evil dickhead council in, um, oh God, TNG with Riker and the woman that wanted to be a woman, but her species is officially androgynous. Oh, oh uh, outcast. outcast. Yeah, I was sitting there. I was like, that voice hey, is yeah. really familiar. And yeah, so she was she was part of the council of assholes. Sorry. Oh, OK, uh, we'll see you next week. Bit bitches. We going to say our names or no? Oh yeah. oh, yeah, I've been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. And this is Always Ames. Well,